Uh, hello, uh, Barry Saratoga Spears. Ugh. What's up, man? How's, uh, how's Florida? Hot and annoying. Hot and annoying. It's a hell of a combination. All right. Well, you made weekend. Yes, yes, I did. We saw a lot of people, man. We saw a lot man, of people. So many. A lot of. So many. Met a lot of of people that um, we know by Twitter <laughs> names. We met Spot Infield Goose. Yeah, famous people. Yeah, among others. But uh, that was fun. Yeah, it was a blast, man. It was a great time. Yeah, harness tracking, the brisket. I mean, it's just so many things that were so much fun. (laughs) Yeah, the the secret Saratoga harness barbecue. That's the best kept secret in Saratoga right there. I went last night. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, sir. I'd go, too. If it was that close to me, I'd go, too, all the time. Yeah, we made another Another visit for Sunday night, Sunday night racing, and the brisket sandwich. So, um, where do you want to start? <laughs> so many things to cover. Some interesting races over the weekend. Absolutely. Always that. <clears throat> yeah, Damon's Mound is, is the good. Answered the question. The goods. Yeah. Yep, he did I answer mean, the question. Betting, they were betting Gulfport like he was the, <laughs> the next coming of <laughs> American Pharaoh or something. Both stakes on Saturday. The favorites got, got bet harder than I thought that they would because Regal Glory at one point was one to five. Yeah, that was nuts. And the four-star Dave. And I thought she would be a a favorite, but I didn't think that she would be one to five and she went off uh, one to two, which is a huge favorite. And, and well, we kind of knew she was going to be an underlay anyway, but that was like the under underlay. (laughs) Like, yeah, that that was just kind of surprising to me. She wasn't that much better than. No, I mean, she was the horse to beat in there. She had the most credentials. She was probably the fastest. and But she wasn't one to, one to two. And, right. And truthfully, the, the race didn't set up great for her because... Uh, uh, well, there was question the marks of how it was going to unfold <laughs> because it could have went a, a couple of different ways. Like if, if Mason kind of showed a little bit more speed it could have changed the complexion of the race a little bit. Right. I mean, would get smoking was going to go to the lead and then Mason kind of just provided some tepid pressure, but front run, the fed kind of got in the way of real glory. He got the spot mm-hmm. on the inside in the pocket that real glory really wanted. And uh, had she got that, that position, she probably would have won. Right. Because she would have saved the ground. Right. <clears throat> but, um, to get a good path, but I read kind of, kind of the five. Uh, 
banged yeah. his brother a little bit there because he took that bad. And <laughs> I mean, Casa Creed, he, he can just out finish horses, and 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 he was able to stay close enough. Uh, there was really no no spread in the field that. I mean, he just had to make up a couple legs at the top of the stretch, and, and he just uh, he just ran by him easily too. Yeah, <laughs> ran, ran really good, but the, the race kind of played into his favor um, because there wasn't a it wasn't a big field, and he didn't have to navigate uh, traffic. He was able to just kind of you know sit and last, but he didn't have to go six wide. He didn't have to try to weave his way through. He got a clear run. Um, which is what you know that that's his he's going to be most effective when when he gets a clear run which he did and, um it was just a strange race and, and you know the two-year-old race the asmussen's horse uh golfport he opened up one to five <laughs> and i mean that that's a little bit more justifiable because there's only a few horses in that race well there's only one less than there was in the other race Still, he and, still on I mean, paper. No, looked... no one was going to bet. Um, I mean, it was a, it was like a match race, so it was kind of an evenly right. matched race, and the 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 Rodriguez horse wasn't going to get any. He didn't get any money. Um, I think but... if if uh, you know Damon's Mound like won at a quote unquote big track. Well, they came back from the same track. I mean, one is trained by Steve Asmussen, written by right. Joel Rosario, and the other is uh, trained by Michelle Lovell and written by uh, Gabriel Saez, not not Louis Saez. So I think that had a lot to do with it. And yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, Coltport had two wins too. He just won a stake by twelve. But I mean, to me, it was it was kind of a you know almost like a match race going in. So to see the the odds be so far apart for those two. Um, I mean, I, I made a bet on, on Michelle Lovell source uh, at that price, nine to five. I think at the time. yeah, I thought we were going to get like three to one at one point. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like <laughs> what, but uh, <clears throat> but you know, New York, the, the the prices don't drop like they do other places. Just today, Colonial I mean, horses are. Oh, did you see that one over yeah. the weekend? Yeah, all over the place. That was insane. But back to that uh, Damon's Mound race, you know, um, we heard a lot of grumbling about no flashing of the inquiry sign. And I was talking to a few people in the backyard and I said that uh, they probably should have looked at it, not make a change, but at least look at it because it looked funny, you know, on the replays and in live and usually when it looks funny, people are going to be, you know, kind of like, oh, well, something must have happened kind of deal. Um, I think it would have been beneficial if they just flashed it up there, took a look at it, and then said no change. And then whatever they do from there, I don't know if they still do the little explanation on Tuesdays or whatever. I don't think they do. They don't do that? No, they should. <clears throat> I mean, I don't see the harm in putting the inquiry sign up, even though Damon's not really didn't do anything. It was more of Rosario running up the heels of the other horse. Right. But, and, and like you said, they weren't going to make a change. But I, I agree that there's times that that they should put the inquiry sign up. It's not, um, 
I, I think I'd rather see them putting it up doesn't mean you have to make up. a change, you right. know, put it up because like, obviously they're looking at the race, but I, I just don't see the harm when there's a, uh, an incident to put it up, call an inquiry and, and uh, sort it out. And I really think it's better. It's more beneficial to the general public to have the announcer say the words there there will not be a change right insufficient evidence to to make a a change well it does a couple of things doing that you know it 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 basically yes they look at it physically look at it and and we know they are right and then secondly it gives the the public the the peace of mind that that they're doing their due diligence as stewards to make sure everything you know, was on the up and up. Yeah. So there's no doubt that, you know, nobody can say, oh, well, they didn't even look at it. <laughs> you know, why even put, why even leave that as a possibility? Just look at it. It's not going to, you don't even have to take long to look at it, honestly. Well, I remember last week they, they put one up <clears throat> super late. <laughs> yeah. They and then t- took it down like right away. And it was almost like they were um, just didn't want to catch heat for not putting an inquiry sign. So they put the whole, the inquiry, the horses in the winter circle already and they put the inquiry sign up and then like 30 seconds later, took it down. Uh, that, that mean we don't need it that late, but I, I just don't think that um, there's any harm in doing that. I just don't see any downside to putting the inquiry sign up when there's an incident. And, and it wasn't like some subtle incident. It was, the whole the whole racetrack went whoa. Right, I mean John Embriel <laughs> even noted that the horse was was checked and uh, and there was only at that point three horses still in the running. <laughs> so it, it's not like it was some uh, something that that would would have gone unseen. I, I agree with you, and I agree with the other people um, that um, you know that. that did ask, you know, the question, why, why didn't they at least, you know, hang the inquiries? Yeah, it was quite an eventful three days at the races, to be honest with you. Not so much Thursday. Yeah. Saturday, yes, a lot of action. Because we had, uh, you know, the races at Saratoga, obviously, and then the, the Churchill, whatchamacallit, <laughs> which was was kind of weird you know hearing all the stories of what was going on down there with tote problems and the turf seemed to be just, off you know painted, painted dirt and my, my friend uh anthony works for um stone street <laughs> so he got the text about <laughs> the horse that uh that um, ducked out at the start and dropped the rider and ran around the track and said that the horse uh, just took a spin around the turf course. Except it was a dirt. Uh, it was a dirt race. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess maybe he just wanted to find out firsthand how how the turf course was down at Churchill Downs. And I didn't hear anybody say that it wasn't um, uh, not good. <laughs> Right. Everybody I talked to on Saturday, even, you know, people that weren't at the track and so on, uh, said it was awful. 
Yeah, I talked to someone who was there and they said it was just it looked as bad in person as it as it did on on television. Uh, you know, thankfully they got through it and Yeah. Into, with minimal Yeah. With no so, injuries. <laughs> right. I mean that that's that that was kind of um a little bit of Russian roulette because everybody knows that they've had issues with the course. They had to shut it down early and you know, the, it didn't go well the other day when they had works and then they canceled the, the pucker up in the secretariat. So, um, you know, like I said, it, it, it worked out. Santin showed his affinity for that track and won pretty, you know, pretty, pretty convincingly. Um, it's pretty good. It was a it was a bizarre race, the Arlington, the fake Arlington Million, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you had like two groups of horses. You know how like in Europe they they run those those uh, straightaway oh, races. Some horses go to one side, and some go to the other <laughs> side. It was kind of like that. Like the, it was the, the front group, and then it was the group ten lengths behind the back group. It was it was a, kind of a bizarre race. Mismatch on paper. Yeah, but um, it was. Uh, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, I mean, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to to Churchill on uh, on Saturday. I mean, obviously watched the big races, but um, I, I actually did not even watch the, the Philly Sprint. Uh, I haven't even seen a replay of it. No, me neither. That was uh, Bell's the one. Mm-hmm. I think someone put up the cheese eight for nine at six furlongs. Yeah, that sounds about right. I wonder if, I mean, they skipped last year, the skip, the, the Philly Mayor Sprint. Um, well, wasn't it seven? California. What? Well, yeah, the Philly Mayor Sprint is seven, but they skipped going out there in a race that they might have won had they gone out and. I wonder if if they consider. Well, I guess you got to run against Jackie's Warrior in the sprint, so that's probably not a good idea. But uh, yeah, I would take my chances at seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Good <laughs> idea. Yeah, forget that idea. Um, Wisconsin, who was the favorite in the race, went went up four to five. Really, uh, I guess broke slow and then just didn't really finish much. So. So, uh, you know, on to, uh, on, on to the next. Down there, the next meet. I mean, they're back at Ellis and Kentucky Downs is the big meet in uh, first week of, I guess, like the first week and a half of uh, September, then back to Churchill. And it sure don't look like they're going to have any turf in September. <laughs> not at this rate. <laughs> no. Not if they're not ready in mid August. No, they don't even have a racing, uh, excuse me, a, a, a condition book. Condition out yet. for it, right? Yeah. So, I guess they're trying to, you know, they're maybe waiting to see how it went this weekend to see if they're going to even bother karting races. The fall is going to be a little odd this year because you're going to have no no turf again at Churchill, it looks like. And Belmont is going to be closed, so they'll be racing at Aqueduct, which means the con- turf configuration is is different, so there's not going to be uh, the seven furlong and the six furlong sprints um, that we see 
at Belmont uh, and some of the other distances that they can't run either. So, And Gulfstream doesn't have any turf. Gulfstream, right. You have Gulfstream has no turf. Not that there are a lot of guys <clears> just <throat> in Gulfstream in the fall, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a distinct lack of turf racing, which which might help out uh, you know, Maryland maybe. Um, Probably, yeah. Keeneland, those races will be full. That's for sure. Everybody's going to gonna get a chance Kentucky Downs I mean those races are always full anyways it's crazy Maiden's 150,000 <laughs> that's ridiculous 150,000 Maiden that's absurd like Kentucky Downs of course you have to be Kentucky bred um KTDF eligible because if you're not you're running for 75 oh oh wow <clears throat> because oh, um five <laughs> our man Matt Duger made a comment about uh the horse that ran second yesterday in the uh, the stake, the turf sprint at Saratoga to Big Invasion. And he said, you know, maybe that horse will, will uh, Phil Schoenthal's horse, who ran good, who actually ran good. He, yeah, just, he, ran, uh, he ran pretty you know, decent. Yeah. He just ran against the buzzsaw. Yeah, complete, absolute buzzsaw. So uh, he's, a, he's a Virginia bred. So for him to go down there, he runs for half the money, which... Which kind of stinks. I mean, there's a three-year-old six hundred thousand um, dollar stake there going six furlongs, but I think he runs for like three hundred in there. And I don't know what they're going to do with Big Invasion, but he's a beast. He is uh, the <laughs> doing it easy. Cup turf spread this year <clears throat> is at Keeneland, meaning it's 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 uh, it's a five and a half. And you almost wonder because Keen, uh, Kentucky Downs runs the straight three-year-old turf sprint at six and a half, and they run the older turf sprint for a million bucks at six. Hmm. And the weight breaks really are minimal. At, I think it's three pounds. So, and and it's three pounds. Um, for horses that, that uh, qualify, I mean, stake winners, basically, stake winners here. So, it'd be equal weights with, with a lot of the older <clears> horses. <throat> but I, it might not matter. He's really, really, really good. Really good. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, it's strange because it's like, and, and I know we talk, we, we've talked about this before, is there really is no division for turf sprinters like they kind of just show up wherever there's a race at that distance on the turf and some of them are minor stakes but there's not really like a, a you know a true division they need to make one or or, yeah. or at least connect some races together or something right they're starting to you know they're starting to to, to add them um uh, like even like the big invasion, when you look at his his uh, schedule so far this year, um, he started out. Uh, he broke his maiden in February, Gulfstream, and he ran in a Texas Glitter, uh, I think, at um, Fountain of Youth Day. Yeah, and that's a listed stake. Um, and then he ran into William Walker, uh, Derby Week, which is a listed stake. And then he ran at uh, the Paradise Creek at Belmont, um, which is a listed stake. (laughs) 
and then the two, uh, uh, excuse me, he won the, the quick call at, here at Saratoga. And uh, that's a great three. But the race yesterday, the Mahoney, which is named after uh, Patrick Mahoney, who was the head mutual manager in Naira for like 50 years. Dang. Um, but that's a listed stake as well. So even though he's won uh, what five stakes in a row, he only has one graded graded win because there just aren't any <laughs> aren't any graded turf <laughs> sprints for three year olds. Crazy because that that you know the Breeders' Cup turf sprint has been around for quite a while. You know, long enough for for them to have you know more of a division built around it. <clears throat> but yeah, it goes back to what we've been talking about: how the Breeders' Cup and Toba really need to. To, to take the reins on this and create a schedule, create a monthly schedule. It's, it, it makes all the sense in the world to do that. And, you know, like I, I was, I thought that starting with Philly sprinters was the easiest one to do because there were already some established um, graded races, high graded races, even though there's not that many of them you know, to, to, schedule them and, and try to get you know, try to get horses to run against each other more. I mean that that's that's one of the main beefs that people have is uh, is the the good horses don't run against each other very often if if at all. And yeah, because there's either too many options or too little. <laughs> you can't create rivalries without running them. Right. <laughs> you can't create a rivalry when one horse runs in one spot and one horse runs in in another spot and they're both three to five and everybody's like, Ooh, well, you know, it goes to your point when you talk about spacing and, and, you know, that's how you get like these mid-year matchups where good horses face off against each other. When you space the races out as best you can, instead of running, you know, all those sprints, Philly sprints in in like a five week period. And, you're going to get one over here, one over here, one over here when they really should be probably running against each other. Right. No, it's, it's just, it, it just makes sense. It, it doesn't make <clears throat> sense not to do it, um, to have just this, this schedule that the tracks just schedule whenever they want to, which is their right, but it would be better for them if they would adhere to a schedule, a national schedule for those horses, there's only so many top graded um, horses in each class. So it's not as though uh, there's, there's 30 graded Philly sprinters. I mean, legit graded sprinters. There's just not. And there's, um, there's just not that many legit graded turf sprinters either. So, like create a, a schedule. Um, if you get a lot of the best ones in the races, you, you'll they'll justify grading them as well. And it just is one of those things that we don't really have great leadership in this business. And it's not like we have a commissioner or we have a person at the top of the food chain. Like who would you say is the most influential person in horse racing? Huh. There is no one. 
Right, the secretary. <laughs> I mean, there, there there is no. I mean, you could you could name you could say Carstangen to Churchill, but mm. his his usually the most influential things they do is stop running at racetracks. Um, so it, it's just uh, it just makes sense. I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum, and and uh, this is turf sprints are a perfect case. Create create a division, you know, create a schedule and it'll you know racing will benefit and uh the breeders cup would benefit it would benefit you oh, know, sure. it would benefit you know to have um the best ones facing off against each other and, and not just have it be this one um and it also i mean you get to situations where maybe a horse has had a pretty good year that doesn't make the breeders cup for whatever reason at least they have had a had a had a head a head matchup at some point Right, I mean, I mean, I, I just don't see how anybody couldn't see that the the effect of of Damon's Mound versus Gulfport this weekend made a four horse race a race that like everybody no one, wanted to see. Yeah, and, and no one complained that it was only a four horse race. I mean, it was very little complaining about that, and, and generally, you'll see a lot of complaining. Generally, it's us complaining, but <laughs> this was a compelling race because the two best horses were were running against each other. I mean, I'm at the sale last night and uh, talking to a to a, um, a guy who's uh, works for one of the big farms in Kentucky, and he was saying, "Man, how great would it be if Flightline and, and Life is Good match up?" It's like, "Yeah, how good would it be?" But I mean, we're we're sitting on pins and needles, <laughs> hoping that uh, that that actually happens. I mean, Flightline makes another race. <laughs> yeah, he's training great. He's doing awesome. But we've seen this this story before, and it's just let's. You hate, you hate to have to to wait all the way till November to see that, but that's that's apparently what's going to happen. But I mean, go back to Rachel Alexander and Zenyatta. They they broke, they raced kind of overlapped, and they never <coughs> never got on the same track against each other. So I think that was always a missed opportunity, even though Rachel Alexander was not as good um, as a four year old as she was as a three year old. True. So. So, that being said, I, I think um, I think that we saw the best turf sprinter in the country yesterday. Yeah, I, I concur. That that was too easy. <laughs> if Golden Powell's going to rate, and, and that's going to be his game, he is never out finished. <clears throat> no, nope. His only chance is to go to the lead and open up and hold on, like he always has done. I mean, that is big invasions. Last three sixteenths of a mile yesterday were just unbelievable. I thought he was in a little bit of trouble at the top of the stretch. I <laughs> thought so too, but then those legs he just put started the, moving faster. Yeah, he just put the afterburners on. <laughs> he just zoomed right on by. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen horses like that. You know, um, recently he's he's got a a big kick, man. I mean, just think about how most of these turf sprints are won. Yeah, typically not like Big Invasion does it, and and no. not that easily either. Usually, you get somebody that's just way faster, like Golden Pal, than everybody else, and they can't catch him. 
Right. And, and Gold Pell's been great. I mean, he's seven for seven in this country turf sprinting. It's not like he, he hasn't been the top turf sprinter. Uh, I mean, arguably one of the best turf sprinters we ever saw. I mean, remember that turf sprints are a relatively new thing in this country. We didn't have them 20 years ago. And turf sprints weren't like they are now where they're, they're everywhere. But, um, I mean, he is, is, is a very accomplished turf sprinter, but his last race wasn't good. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> I ain't buying any of that nonsense. That was a bad race. Put it this way. If Big Invasion was in that race, he, he was closing, easy. not the Dave Donk uh, horse that can't get through his first level allowance. He wins. And not only does he win, Rosario he throws his whip in the air and, and laughs at them as he goes by. <laughs> Seriously. But, but, you know, and, and again, let's just hope that uh, it all comes about. Yeah, that'll be a good matchup. I'm I'm looking for that. I like turf sprints. You know how I like that. <clears throat> um, that'd be a nice matchup. Golden Pell versus Big Invasion. I mean, for me anyway. I'm sure for everybody else too, but um Yeah, I'd love to see that. <clears throat> yeah, it'd be it'll be a good race. So and you know, it'll be a little challenging for, for Big Invasion. Keelan is typically not, um, you know, not not a huge closers track, right? On, uh, in the turf for the five and a half, but uh, it, it is in November this year, so it's a little bit later than it was. I think the last time they had it was was the end of October. So every time I think about that, I think of that stupid Outback Steakhouse horse. <laughs> <laughs> There's potential for Keeneland to be really cold. The horse like barely won after that. Like Yeah. Still running too. Yep. They snuck one in there, man. Jeez. Yeah, but Keeneland, you know, the weather was perfect last time. Yeah, it was. Kentucky it was. weather is not always that perfect in the fall. It can be it can be cold and it was warm, right? It was it was yeah, it was hot. hot. Yeah, the track was that was that was the heat coming from the track that they said about <laughs> all those records. They said like yeah, thirty two track record. The, the water truck set a track record, fastest uh, loop around the track, watering. Um, Nashville, remember Nashville went went uh, set a track record. Uh, the undercard, and it was it was uh, it was nuts. Authentic was never losing that day. No, not that day. Nope, especially when he gifted him the lead. Thanks, tis the law. So I was over at the sale <laughs> last night and today. Must have been interesting. Yeah, horse sales are boring if you're not buying or selling. After a while, it's like, all right, enough. Enough. Enough of the yelling. Yeah. Most people just mill around and talk shit about mingle. It. It's a mingle. It's a social affair. <laughs> so, dude, they, 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 they mill about and talk shit about each other. <laughs> 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 Welcome to the horse sales. Um, it's funny. The New York bread sale. Sitting there listening, and this one goes through, and that one goes through, and this one goes through, and that one goes through, and they're all by Kentucky Stallions. 
They're not uh, they're not your fathers or your grandfathers, New York Reds. <laughs> Cormorants. Oh, remember that horse? Jeez. So what else, man? What what? Uh, Remember that horse state dinner? State dinner, sure. And what is it? Uh, Cognizant was that a horse name too? Uh, no. Um, I thought it was a well, new- compliance. <laughs> compliance was a big New York red styling. Cormorant. Cormorant. I remember that horse. Cormorant. Love the mud. Talc. Remember talc? Yeah. That's when New York Reds were forced to be New York Reds. Now they're wasn't Thunder Rumble a New York Red? Yeah, sure was. On the Travers, Herb McCauley, Hollywood Herb, that one home in the Travers. Yep, that was uh, nineteen ninety three. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's different now. I mean, last week the sales were nuts. Oh my god, it was like it was like the jackpot. It was like ten horses sold for more than a million. Like you know how you go into a casino and everybody starts hitting jackpots. That's what that was. Ding, 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 ding. For those selling, yeah, of course they the ones that they sold were all. Really, really well-bred ones that have really good mares and you know, top of the top of the food chain type horses. See, I, I wish they would take future bets on who's going to be the maddest when their horse doesn't pan out. No, in a lot in a lot of ways, it's it's um, the cults. They're 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 kind of sifting for stallions. That that's what they're doing. Mm. A lot of the same people and, and everybody is, I mean, to the chagrin of, of, of most, uh, you know, everybody's partnered, it seems like, at that level. Hmm. Um, it's a bad thing in, 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 in the end. It just takes away from the competition uh, aspect. Though I, I understand that, I understand the logic that they use. But the people that do it all have tons of money to buy their own anyway. Yeah, for most of them do. I mean, most of them do. But you don't need I mean, it's not. It's not going to change. There's nothing you can really do to change it. True. It's going to be the way it is. Um, you don't want to talk about uh, Saturday's pick four, pick five debacle, do you? I have to. Go I ahead. Teased it. I teased it on Facebook. Go ahead. Let it out. <clears throat> I have to say, this was the worst non-beat beat of my entire horse playing career. <laughs> because I still won. I made money. I made money. But it was like, you know, one of those what could have been kind of situations. So uh, I'll break it down here. So. I'll start from the beginning. Uh, on Friday night, I told Chuck, "I was like, man, I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna hit this early pick five. I think, I think it's gonna pay something. 
I'm, I'm going to, you know, really hone in on, on a couple of horses and try to nail this thing. So on Saturday morning or, or Saturday afternoon, I go and I, and I play a pick five, $36. And <clears throat> I'm okay with that. I'm like, all right, cool. I, I like this ticket. I don't need to go, you know, make multiple tickets to try to try to really crush it. I think this one's going to pay enough. If, if I'm alive to the last race, I think we're going to be in for a pretty decent score. Nothing, nothing crazy or outrageous, but you know, good. You know, I was thinking more into the 2000 to $4,000 range. I'm like, I'm all right with that. I'm okay. And then I can play the horse that I like in the sequence um, you know, to make some more money and, and we'll just go from there. So we hit the first race, which was an obvious kind of, uh, I read horse that, you know, he was just, it was just the horse they knew. Everybody knew that horse was going to win. And he ran like it, uh, was pretty much an easy winner. The second race was my spread race, which was also the start of the pick four. So at that point, I decided to play a pick four ticket as well. Played it a little bit heavier than the pick five, um, but spread in that second race. And we ended up catching a horse that was 16 to one. And it was a bad three to five favorite. In that race. Yes, very bad three to five favorite. Uh, the Santana Rudy Brissett horse that I don't understand why that horse was three to five, but whatevs. We got it, the one it, we wanted. He did rally to be second, was claimed. The claim was voided. So oh, there's an issue there. For whatever reason he was dropping him, <laughs> they still got him. So we, we, we're looking good at this point. I was like, wow, that horse went off 16 to one. We're good. $34 horse, $35 horse. Next race. I told Chuck that I liked the six Rigby a lot, but I was really afraid of the four who had a trip in his last race. And this was a turf sprint too, um, that he was caught way out in the 11th spot with Flavian ran really, really good despite his post and was out wide the whole way, just got tired late and got passed. He was, he actually kind of, took the lead at one point in that race and he got a favorable post position. He was in the four spot and I, and I gathered he might get a good trip. Now Rigby got, was kind of lukewarm. He, he looked like he was going to be favored, you know, on paper. Um, but he wasn't bet, which kind of gave me a, a little pause. So I, I bet the four to win. Four ends up winning at seven to one, which was way bigger than I thought he was going to be. So that was the score. Like we, we, we're already up here at this point. So now we're sitting with the next race, which is the Damon's mound Gulfport race, you know, in hindsight, it probably should have, you know, everybody say you should have, should have singled Damon's mound. Cause I did like him more, but I didn't, I used both on both tickets. So we made it through that race easily with the higher priced horse. So on my pick four or my pick five ticket, I was 
into the one, three, and eight on the pick four ticket. I was into the one, two, three, four, and five. And the only horse I did not have on either of those tickets was Valaluya, or however you want to say it, who we both looked at each other and, and talked about this race the day before that that horse had no chance. <laughs> he had absolutely no shot whatsoever. I mean, the horse won one time. That might have been a, a, a fluke win in and of itself and hasn't been in contact with the field since. Now, that race, that fifth race, was like one of the worst races I've ever been involved with. There was how many? There was two or three Finger Lakes horses. I think it was two. The inside and the outside. All the rest of them were kind of mediocre. It was just a, a real bizarre race. And, you know, again, in hindsight, I knew it was strange. I should have built that in, but I didn't. Um, so I'm looking at the payoffs. On the pick four, everybody's paying a, a well over $1,000. Um, the four was an $11,000 pick four. And the pick fives that I was alive to, um, they all were paying a, a few thousand dollars, like three or four thousand dollars. And mind you, I would have had the one and the three twice or basically in the pick four and the pick five. So <laughs> I look at Chuck and I, I say, hey, you know, <clears throat> maybe this is a good time to hedge. I don't really do that, but this might be the opportunity to hedge. <laughs> and I was like, I know this horse doesn't have a shot. I'm like, there's no way this horse can beat any of the ones I have, which is everybody else. And I thought about just literally emptying my my wallet on the seven. But I didn't have that much faith in that horse. So I ended up only putting $30 to win on the seven. And the rest is history, you know. That, that's one race that I'll never forget because I'm sure every summer they're going to remind me by showing Robbie Davis and Jackie Davis, you know, winning that race. Because that's what Saratoga is all about, you know, all the strangeness and, and you know, first timer and it's a, the greatest racetrack to go to. But man, and I saw somebody hit it for 48000 to pick five and they only used the three and the seven in the final leg and i i would i wish uh, maybe i'll reach out to the guy on twitter and try to find out what was his rationale of putting the seven on his ticket i mean it, it wasn't impossible but it was not <clears throat> clearly it wasn't impossible but and the three was bet because of the, the people Right. I mean, it was literally the only regular Naira trainer in the race. It was a race that it was, yeah, it was a hot loaded run. with finger legs horses and and trainers, which is there's nothing wrong with them, but they don't win here. And uh, Irad picked the mount up, and the horse got bet off the board, and then the horse just isn't any good. 
but I at least can see the logic behind using that horse. The one actually had really good numbers, and and the rider probably panicked a little bit, and he never really gave the horse a breather either. I mean, he was pretty much sending the whole way, and it's pretty it's tough to win at Saratoga going seven eighths without a breather. And but I mean, you know, it's a finger likes guy he doesn't ride here, and he's on a live horse, and he's on the lead. Just I go, baby. <laughs> I probably wouldn't let anybody. Oh, that was the other either. thing about that uh, that race is she came right up the rail, stuck to the rail the whole time. And yeah. <laughs> it, considering the day before, the inside part of the track was the worst place to be, yeah. literally the worst place to be. And this horse did everything the opposite of that and still won. The funny thing was Robbie said after the race, he told her, whatever you do, don't go to the rail. And, of course, she goes right to the rail. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Destined not to hit that pick five. But, you know, at least I still hit something. It wasn't the worst thing in the world. but And I made money on it. I made quite a bit. But it just it was one of those what could have been kind of deals. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it was a little uh, hurtful. I mean, I, I can't. It, it did sting a little bit because i you know it's like damn how much money could i have made it, it was a it was a <clears throat> i mean it happens it's just, just a little little you, you just get beat but getting beat by the rank outsider right it was a it was a, a non-beat beat like because right. i still won but it was it was just such a buzzkill <laughs> yeah it was. And it's tough when you handicap the other races. Had it I had it down. Well. I had everything. Yeah. And 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 you know, you, you beat a three to five shot and you beat another four to five shot. I mean that's uh well, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Yeah, that is. That's 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 the life we live, as they and, say. Um so the jockey club round table was uh yesterday. Yes. This is basically a bunch of suits get around and talk about stuff and then never really do anything. And they usually hire outside suits to come in to tell the racing suits like what they're doing wrong. And most of the time, the outside suits really don't, you know, probably just getting a nice hefty check for doing this. But um, I mean, what has really become of it? I mean, a couple of years ago, they hired uh, McKinsey, and they said, well, the, you'd do better if the races were on TV and if the facilities were cleaner. What? I mean, we could have done that. We, <laughs> we, we'd only charge them a couple grand for that kind of advice. But um, it's... Um, they, they, they finally seem to be talking about some issues that... I don't know. We've been talking about for on this show since the beginning. I've been talking about. I was talking to Steve Bennett. I said, "Yeah, how far do your archives go back?" Because I remember talking about super trainers and and the effect they're going to have, the negative effect they're going to have on racing. I believe in like two thousand seven, and everybody just kind of shook their heads, blah blah blah. And now we have, you know, actual racing secretaries and officials saying, "Yeah, super trainers are killing us." But you people didn't listen. You didn't listen. You didn't listen. And in the end, I'm not a genius. I just know what the hell's going on. And I pay attention. And I, and I don't have any axe to grind. 
in the end, it's just math. It's a math equation. Everything in the world <clears throat> boils down to a math equation in the end. Everything. And in racing, it's just been so simple to see. If you have a thousand horses, is it better off having 50 trainers with 20 or five trainers with 200? Who's going to give you better racing? 50 guys trying to win a race or five? simple it's simple but everybody just you know look the other way <clears throat> part of the problem with racing is that now everyone's saying oh well geez you know what can we do we can't keep people from sending all the horses to the same trainers like it just was some natural phenomenon that just happened which is complete nonsense the tracks had rules <laughs> there was rules do you know how many times the stallman at Belmont Park came to my barn when I was working for Alan Jerkins and said well not my barn but Alan's barn and said hey you guys are over your limit and how many times I told him so oh, my name looked like Alan Jerkins it's not you go tell him and let him scream at you I'm not getting screamed at, at for I'm not getting screamed at by him <laughs> for your bullshit you go and of course he was like well just you leave the message I'm not leaving any message and that was because, oh, we had 46 instead of 44. That doesn't happen anymore. Oh, now guys have 244. And if a guy has horses at seven different tracks, like Steve asked me, there's nothing you can do about that. And you know what? That's fine. That's great. You want to have horses at all those different tracks? That's your prerogative. That's A, a lot of work. B, a lot of expense. And see only only a person like Steve, who's like a maniacal. Uh, he's got a, um, a perfect memory. Track of, of seven different layers of, of of horses, you know, from cheap Louisiana breads up up to having uh, Jackie's Warrior. You know, <laughs> there's not many people that are able to do things like that, but came about because people no, nobody was nobody was willing to to say no nobody was willing to say hey l let's look out for the game the, the the whole game not just the chosen few which is exactly what's happened right this is not a mis this is not some kind of uh, remember, remember when when um can't remember which track superintendent it was but he he used the the excuse why the track would always get fast on the big days is atmospheric conditions. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. The atmospheric conditions generally only come when there's big races. <laughs> Listen, everyone out there that like has my number, please stop texting me on Monday nights. I don't want to talk to you ever, especially on Monday nights. Yeah. Save your, your text and your stuff for later or before. Don't ask me what I'm doing on Monday nights. Everybody knows what I'm doing. If you have my number, then you know that I'm doing this. <laughs> that, was a, that was a sidebar to my rant. Yes. But, um, but yeah, we pile on. Just pile on. But this is created by the industry. The suits created it. And if it... That are in charge now it was the suits that were there before they were there 
But you guys made this mess. Well, I don't understand how they could just not, they could just overlook that. Be like, well, if we give this guy all the stalls, then what's going to happen? It it seems very obvious to me, just on that level. Not even, you know, you don't have to even get into the details. You know, just giving one person way more stalls than everybody else and they have all the horses, what do you think is going to happen? Well, it, to me, it's just, I, w- I wish there was some kind of future bet on this. Because believe me, I would have cashed out big time. It's just math. If the same guys get all the good horses, it's not just the horses, they get the good owners too. It leaves the middle class guys because the bottom guys are always going to be there. There's always going to be guys with small stables. There's always going to be guys with cheap horses. Um, there's there's always going to be you know those kind of outfits. They're, they're going to be here because up and it's just it's just the way it is. But the middle class guys just get eliminated because there's no more good owners. And because the big guys take the B strings. I see so many good trainers that are, that are doing something other than training horses now. Because they just got tired of, of having to deal with the the people, the, the layer of owners that don't pay or want to do deals. And the guys want to do them. You know what? You want to deal with that? That's fine. It's your prerogative. But it's a hard enough job to do without that handicap. And believe me, those guys aren't sending you cream and a crop horses either. They had a really, really good horse there. They'd be they'd be happy to take care of business because, well, you know, they have a really good horse. Right. But that's a big reason when what why uh, when I when I see horsemen lumped into well horsemen don't run their horses. Well, you know, most horsemen barely have any horses to run on. And this is created. This was self-created. This was self And that's why I, I just roll my eyes when they say, well, we don't have answers. We have answers. The answers are there. I mean, to be honest, you could do it through HISA. You could make a rule. Only X amount of registered horses are allowed to be trained by a, a, a Make it a hundred. Make it a hundred. Tell everyone else you can't train more. Than right. Horses. I mean, that's you more don't like it too bad. Enough. Like, what are they gonna do? Take all the horses and go to France. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone with a big outfit and all the big owners are gonna. Like, oh my god. Uh. Most of the big outfits, you already have five, six trainers, anyways. How many trainers do, do some of these big outfits have? They already have a bunch of trainers. I mean, if this year's stakes, the the lack of entries hasn't. It, it, apparently, it, it, it's they're finally got the message. People are finally saying, "Oh, yeah, well, yeah, we do have a problem." But it's not a problem that that just came about. This problem has been brewing. And that's the problem. That's the problem with everything in this business. That's the problem with all the people that try to convince me that HISA is the answer. It's not the answer the way it currently exists. It's just not. The concept is fine. 
But we talked to a Hall of Fame trainer the other day, and, and, and what, what did he say? That we were all for standardizing the rules, but we weren't for coming up with whole, you know, entire new rules, which is kind of what happened. And then Lisa Lazarus is saying we need unity. <laughs> I mean, is that what the is that is that what the Germans said when when they invaded you know uh, other people's countries? Hey, sorry, uh, but we're here now, so let's let's be friends. <laughs> Definitely not. You can't talk down to people and think that they're going to accept this. And in the end, like we've said it on this show, that people at some point are going to have to deal with the fact that this is the the law of the land however crappy it's been it's been implemented and it has been implemented poorly like the whole shoe there are no four millimeter toe grab shoes they don't exist but these is it's the standard now it's the craziest thing two four six millimeters i don't know i trained for i've been in the i've worked with horses for 35 years more than that. I have no idea what the difference is between the two, two, two millimeters or four millimeters. None. Zero. I don't take, take, take a, a, a little measure and then figure it out. The well, shoe companies, the people that make the shoes, that produce the shoes, wrote to them and said, there are thousands, tens of thousands of, of shoes out there that are that have been fine. Hind shoes. They're not the problem. The front shoes were the problem. No one even uses toes in the front shoes. It's a problem that's already solved. So if you let us use six millimeter toe grabs behind, we don't have to produce new ones. A whole brand new shoe, but that's what they want. Yeah, it's such a weird hill to to kind of Well, because they want to Well, I mean let's let's Call it what it is. You have a person on there that did the study that they're basing everything on. She shouldn't be involved. Because she has something to, to, to lose or gain for it. That you that was the whole purpose behind not putting trainers and, and owners on these boards was because they, they you know, supposedly had some something to, to gain, which is nonsense. You're setting the rules. You're not you're not you're not regulating, you're just helping guide them to set proper rules which it was a terrible idea i've said it i said it yesterday when we were talking to a a person who works for one of the organizations if you made you, you gave us the task to create new rules for for the nfl we couldn't do it on our own we would we would have coaches and and players on on both sides of the line and special teams people, the kickers, and referees, and the people that do the um, uh, the what are they called the uh, the, the the replay officials? We, the we, replay. Right, we would have all those people there and 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 bounce ideas about them because we would want to get the best rules. They want to just say these are the rules. Too bad. It's a law. Deal with it. And you know. I don't know if the suits have figured this out, but this is not a real popular game. 
We don't have people. You might get lulled into thinking how everything's wonderful because you're at Saratoga, you're at Domar. <laughs> they end. They end. How, how do you think it's going to be at Aqueduct in September? Oof. Scary to think about, kind of. Sit, sit on the apron at Aqueduct in September and think about about the game. It's a whole lot different thought process than when you're at Saratoga. The participants in general aren't the problem. The problem is the people who 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 do things wrong. But we're 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 trying to catch um those people by, by changing everything and it doesn't make sense. Targeted, targeted um, enforcement of things. But they're doing a poor job and they should be called out for it. And no one does because everyone's afraid. And it's just communication. But the super trainer issue, you guys had a chance to fix that. You guys had a chance to fix it. You didn't only fix it. You made it worse. And you make it worse at all now. Ask any trainer off the record, any smaller trainer, meaning someone that has less than you know 40 horses, he'll tell you the same thing. A third of the time they're asked to be running in races that they know they can't win because you know who is going to have a horse in there or has a horse ready for the race. And that's just not the big tracks. That's everywhere. There's a you-know-who at every track. Look at those standings at Mammoth. Doesn't make your heart grow warm. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say it, right? It's, it's just it's ludicrous oh we need new owners no kidding no shit <laughs> we've been saying that no kidding we need new owners well you know what the, the, the one thing that that we don't have we don't have a, a mechanism to go out there and find new owners. And we have literally thousands, thousands of people that would give you input on their ownership experience. But you're not asking them. You're not asking them. The owners that are in the grade one races at Saratoga Who cares what they think? They've got everything as it is. Right. They, they got it made. <laughs> it's They're the little not, guys that are the, right. the panic alarm. You need owners to come into the game. But there's so many issues that are getting ignored. The top people, they're getting whatever they want. And that's fine. I'm not saying that people that, that that have huge stables should be treated well. They should be, but you're not treating other people well as you know to it. And this is across the board thing. This is at all tracks. 
And I think that you just need to make a, a, a an effort to to just not give lip service. So much of this is lip service. People don't, you really think that they don't get that? They do. Owning horses is addicting in, in, a, in a good way and in a bad way sometimes. <laughs> but people love it because it's a challenge. And we've beat it into the, the system and into so many people's brains that, yeah, you're probably not going to make money. That it's almost negative to the fact that we don't give people a positive about it. I mean, our guy yesterday, he was there. He, he was, you know, he had a box upstairs. He he, he had a table by the in the paddock bar, and uh, I mean, he was nervous as all hell. <laughs> He's owned horses for years, but he loves it. He doesn't expect to make any money, but he pays his bills. His trainers love him, and he's a good dude, and he's a, he's a guy that you should be asking him. He's the kind of guy. He, there's more of him. There's more guys like that guy, not a guy that's got a billion dollars, but a guy that's got a business that does well, that wants to put some of his hard-earned money into this, but f- feel like he has a chance you can't keep burying them when they have a decent horse and that's what happens that's what happens the racing offices across the country they're, they're not connecting with the trainers they're just not and it's like everywhere and the owners are, are, are they've figured it out you can't tell me I can't run my horse uh, at, at the track in another state if I'm stable at your track. You can't tell me that. Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to take them and they're going to send them to the other state. Right, exactly. And you're going to lose that horse and then possibly many more. Racing has always been an ignorant sport because it's always looked internally. Meaning we're not trying to to grow the pie we're just going to fight over smaller pieces of it and that's 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 happening right now and people uh, uh, and it's 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 the food chain you can't ask one uh an executive on the third rung to stick his neck out and do it because then he gets to blame if, if, if it doesn't work out perfectly. It's like when they lower takeout and they do it for like, you know, three weeks. Ah, geez, it didn't, you know, like, like they're going to have the bets that they, they lowered the takeout and the handle is going to go from, uh, you know, $22,000 a pool to $300,000 a pool. That's, that's like, if it doesn't, that, that doesn't happen. It's, it's, it's not a, it's, it's not a success. And that's the thing is that, These people go to these conferences, and at least they're identifying the problems now. They're about ten years late. You know, they hire this this woman who's who's probably a brilliant person, and she does this study, and she ties betting to the decline, the decline of betting to the decline of of 
of the of, of the number of horses bred, which is completely backwards. It's totally backwards. Betting declines when breeding declines, not the other way around. Breeding, even so, it's not racing is not a singular um, industry. A great deal of these people that breed horses, that are horse breeders, they're not breeding to race their horses. They're breeding to sell them. It's a separate market. The, when you breed a horse and you're selling, you're a commercial breeder, your Kentucky Derby is when that horse sells. Well, well, it sells well. <laughs> if the horse goes on to win a lot of races, a graded stakes winner, whatever it does, that's gravy. That's just gravy. That the pedigrees of your other horses look better. They're not really breeding because purses are up. Purses are up is 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 a um, it's a factor for for maybe prices going up, but. That's not their main reason for breeding horses. Their main reason for breeding horses is to try to make a profit. And that's a huge, huge, huge portion of it. You look how many horses are Keeneland and Fazic Tipton sells yearlings. A huge percentage of, of the total population. And remember, there's lots of horses that were bred to sell that don't make the books because something happens. They get hurt, whatever. And that's the thing. She's, she, she mentioned purses. Purses aren't... aren't it, it's not, it's not a, a handle-to-purse um, relationship now versus 20 years ago. It's totally different. Totally different. <clears throat> purses are, are artificially funded. I mean, one thing's for sure that, that was kind of a belief that has shown to be not true is the higher the purses, is, the, you know, the, the bigger the fields. <laughs> not the case. Not if there's not enough horses to go around. <laughs> no, in, in, in a lot of ways, it, it, it works the opposite. The other way, yeah. It works the opposite because one or two horses are going to be just too good. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity to own horses. I mean, honestly, right now, it's a great time. If you own horse, especially one that can run a little bit. I mean, look at that race. Look at the race that, that beat you out of the pick five and the pick four. Oh, man. ninety What, $95,000 race. And there probably wasn't a horse in there worth twenty five. Robbie Davis and the boys, you know, and the company, Jackie, they they got the lion's share of it. That's the race I would use to try to attract owners. Right. I mean, that's that's like the prime example right there because, you know, they were all, you know, just minor leagues, you know, running for big money. We um last year 
every week we highlighted uh, horses who were purchased uh, for reasonable five-figure sums and, and horses that were bred to you know, homebreds or um, to you know, middle market or, or, or lower stallions. Um, and every week we read off a lot of different horses and a lot of different names. Um, Damon's Mount. Yep. He's the homebred by a 6,000 hour stallion. <laughs> you can compete, but that's the other thing is, is you have to acknowledge that it's difficult, but you also have to give people the, the, the feeling that they have a chance. One of the good races that that's, in advance, and it's it's kind of a, a small thing, but it's something is having maiden specials for horses uh, with the they were purchased for forty five or fifty and less. It's a good races helps guys helps guys buy a horse a good horse and not have to run against eight hundred thousand dollar horses every week. But you need to do more. We need a lot more. At the lower end, there's too many condition claimers. The condition claimers favor the big, the big claiming trainers. They just drop and drop and drop and drop and drop and drop and drop. You go back to open claimers; it's a different story. It's a completely different story. I mean, I, I'm a big proponent of of trying to have a, a rating system. But of course, we would screw it up and get a use like Equibase ratings, which are worthless. Put like horses together in a race, huh? How about that? You would you wouldn't have a, a, a one to five shot or two to five shot or a guy dropping three classes, or you even do like the trotters do. You can only drop one class at a time. No more plunging. No more 50 to, to 12.5. No more. Can't do it. Why don't they do that? Why? Because why don't tracks work together? <sighs> I hope people can, can, can hear the frustration because it's frustrating. It's frustrating reading this nonsense. Fix it. Well, it's kind of one of those things, you know, like you said, it doesn't take that much thought to figure this out. And it's in the solution or at least an effort toward a, a solution isn't that difficult either. It's more of this point is, you know, there's too many egos involved. It might be. And, and it's, it's like, you know, there's a will, there's a way, but fortunately we're seeing it, not people who are in, you know, in the position to do something about it. I mean, we can jump up and down, rant, rave all we want, but if they're not making decisions, they're not doing things, they're not making changes it ain't going to happen.
No, it's 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 just we need new owners. We need to treat the ones we do have better, and we need we need people to bet in these races. Everything else is bullshit. Like nothing else matters. Horse aftercare is an important part of this uh, of the equation. Absolutely. But horse aftercare is not going to bring anyone to this business. It should be a given that we should have been taking care of the horses. It's a failure of the industry that there's not a program in place. It's a failure of the industry. Failure. It's also a failure of the industry to not pressure the state racing commissions who are not part of the racing industry. They're pushed on you. They're, they're, they're forced on you. They're not part. We don't have choice in, in who gets on these boards and, and what they do. They're, they're instruments of the government, not the industry. Forever. But why is... Uh, why, why are some of these trainers... Burton Sip, why is this person licensed? Why is any track taking his entries? If you don't know about him... Google them. I don't think that the horse was trained yesterday in the stake. I have my doubts that that horse is trained. Um, the, the horse in the uh, the Mahoney that was trained by Rohina. Guy hasn't run oh, horse yeah. park since April. Suddenly has a tra- has a division at a training center across the river from Park, ten minutes from Parks. Guys at Finger Lakes? Suspicious. That's weird. Who, who did he get the horse from? Oh, oh yeah, that, Vasquez, right. The guy that just got suspended for like, what, three years. But there there goes one of the problems. And, and is Heisa going to fix this? No, because there's not a single person who works for Heisa that has any idea what WST in the racing form is. But you have a training center in New Jersey, a horse racing in New York, and a trainer suspended in Pennsylvania. Well, who who's supposed to who's supposed to police that? Who's supposed to police that? Ask me that when you tell me how great Heisa is. <laughs> they don't know. That's what I mean. Because you don't have anyone with practical experience that understands what the hell's actually going on. How to look for guys, the, the way they would get around something. You want the bad guys out of the game? Well, once you suspend them, you gotta keep them out. You gotta keep them out. That's that's kind of like the, the biggest problem, you know, as far as like, you know, you hear everybody talking about they want the game cleaned up and <clears throat> so on. But those are the major issues. Like, you know, what what you were just talking about with somebody stabled at an off-site facility doing whatever. Um, I don't know for sure how Hiss is going to rectify that or, or you know, neutralize that aspect of the game. Right, because it's 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 a loophole, and no one on those boards 
knows it. Understands that, right? And and it's obvious because they didn't take it into consideration. The most obvious screw up on the people who developed the whole plan is not having the rules of racing on the racetrack be part of the safety initiative and have the stewards all work for one governing body, have the same rules across the track or everywhere across the across the country. It it, it makes zero sense to have a national governing body and having different rules hell from track to track let alone state to state makes no sense at all how a horse slamming into another horse going 40 miles an hour is not a safety issue but hitting them seven times instead of six with a nerf whip is I, I don't know like I mean, how do you say that with a straight face? Hurting is a thousand times bigger problem than than uh, jockeys hitting horses two extra times. But that's not even addressed. It's crazy. You want to do it? You want to have national rules, standardized rules? Let's go for everything. Let's do it right. And I don't think that's I, I don't think that that's what they get. Like. That's what we see. That's what betters see. That's what owners see. That's what trainers see. That's what everyone sees. They see the races on the track. All the stuff they're talking about behind the scenes. You think anybody knows how many millimeters the toll grabs were on horses today? You see anybody out in the paddock with a, with a, with a ruler? Nobody cares about that. And believe me, it's all... It's nuts. But these are the people that are they're supposed to fix things. They're not going to fix them because they don't. They they have it. Like, what track record? What if, What is racing fixed? I mean, seriously, what have what, what we fixed? The really thing that's out of our control is the racetracks. They're out of our control. What Churchill Downs does, what the Stronach Group does, what, well, not Naira because they're kind of a different situation, but, but, um, I mean, in the end, they're the biggest power brokers in this business. All the other groups, trainers, owners, jockeys, uh, breeders, we all have one thing in common. We need the tracks. We need a place to run. If we don't have a place to run, then we have nothing. I suppose the breeders could breed for, you know, uh, foreign jurisdictions. But how many of, you know, how many people, and, and when we talk about breeders, sometimes we just think about like Coolmore. There's lots of smaller breeders, lots of them, lots of them. I mean, even though we're down to 18,000 horses. That's still a lot compared to, to, you know, it takes a lot of people to produce that many horses. Do we need more? Of course. But we got to get consumer to buy their product. There has to be someone out there that's interested. And the middle market is dead because the racetracks have killed it by just pandering to the top few guys. And it's not their fault. 
It's not their fault. If you never say no, what are they supposed to do? Because if you if they turn horses down, they're just going to give them to the other super trainer. From super trainer, super trainer, super trainer, super trainer. That's why if there's no limit, then you're just doomed. All right, I ranted about that. <laughs> Needed to be done, though. I mean, it's just... As, as many people hope for the ship to kind of right itself, it's not. It's going to take a while if that's going to happen, clearly, because they're so far behind on things like we talked about today with, you know, the, the, the trainer loophole thing. Um, they have to get up to speed with that, and who knows how long that's going to take. Because I don't know how much consulting they're doing outside of people in their circle or, you know, that's involved with HISA directly or people that are advising them. Well, as of now, that that's not even, they don't even, it's not even in their, uh, their, their charter or whatever. They, they don't even deal with that. That's, that. that's a state's thing. That's a state's thing. But if you have one, if they have control of the stewards, then the stewards would, would be the person or, or the people that work for the stewards, uh, maybe in an investigative capacity, could be doing that. And maybe there's some plan out there. But that's the problem. Maybes are, are that's not how you run an industry on maybes. To me, if I'm in charge, that trainer gets grilled and that owner gets grilled. They employed it. Listen, though, that trainer took those horses. He knew where they came from. And that owner employed that trainer who suspended. They don't like it too bad. We shouldn't penalize everyone else because of these guys. And if those guys' story doesn't stick, scratch the horse, throw them out. That's what Heisa can do. So we don't have these these uh, never-ending uh, situations of, of you know, certain people get their license revoked and they're still training like no problem and it's still over. I have nothing personal against that person, but I mean, how do you answer when a person asks you a question when a fan or a better or another owner or another trainer asks you a question? Hey, how is that person still licensed? How are they still operating like without a care in the world? I don't know. I mean, the the American justice system, you know, the, the wheels of justice grind slowly. Certainly everyone deserves an opportunity to defend themselves fairly. But racing hasn't really done it itself any favors with the process that it has. And the only thing they worried about is drug testing. It's not the only problem. <laughs> look at look at the whole Richard Baltus case. Testing didn't work. Surveillance. Surveillance worked. That whole thing's a you know, I haven't heard a word about that in a while, but No, I haven't heard anything about that. I 
I, I'll support any program that I think will benefit the, the sport. Anything. But it has to be done. At least the, the, the process needs to be the correct process. It, there's so many different variables and, and, and loopholes and this and that. It, it's impossible to get rules to cover everything. That's why it has to be something that can can be modified. And it is, isn't some uh, major issue just to change one little tiny thing. And, and the new law is a new uh, mandate. It, it should be uh, flexible. There should be flexibility written into this so that after six months when something doesn't work, admit it. That's the other thing. You have to admit that hey, this is, we could do this better. That's the one thing that we never, ever hear. And I'm sorry that I'm back on my rant. But do you ever see anybody in this freaking business say we need better rules? Stricter, tighter, less, ban, bop, bop, bop. Never better rules. Better is what we should be after. Speaking of better, Ugh. tell them about the brisket sandwich at this harness track. It's the most amazing sandwich. It's better than a Bucky's brisket sandwich for those of you out there that know Bucky's and had that sandwich. Unbelievable. No line. Didn't have to wait. And it was a 10 out of 10. Not too much sauce. It was perfect, man. It was just great. I can't say enough about it. it. Makes me happy to think about it. Yeah, it's a, it was a secret spot till we talked about it, but it, it deserves to be shared. Well, they uptick. They they know where <laughs> where it came from. I did two double headers this week. Sunday night. Last night I went back. We went back to we went back last night. Saw a lot of dignitaries there last night. Joe Ricky, the great track announcer. Mike Washburn. Brian Beer. Full the brother to, full brother to Mike Beer. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. So it was a celebrity get together then, huh? Yeah, briefly. And we even doubled up yesterday. Half a sausage sandwich <laughs> plus the brisket. You can't go wrong. You can't. You really can't. I mean, that's... The, the worst part about it is as soon as the meat's over and the, they go back to normal, the, the, brisket bl- people, no. the brisket people don't come anymore. Yeah, I wouldn't come either. It's cold. Yeah. <laughs> we got to change. Can I should do something about the brisket situation. Uh, what else? What, what? Give me uh, your your other uh, thoughts about about the spa and the, the weekend. And uh... oh, I had a blast. I mean, you know, got to see people that you know I and meet people that I've like seen in this industry since I you know I was interested in it since I was like you know 
10 years old, which is wild to me, you know, um, it's really cool. And, and, you know, all those people were as advertised, very nice people, gracious, you know, kind of, uh, dealt with me, you know, kind of sitting there, standing there in awe, <laughs> trying to stay focused on what they're saying. But, um, no, nah, it was really cool. You know, all the, all the Twitter people that we saw was really, really cool. Um, people that we, we'd never seen before, um, or really had too much interaction with were coming up to us and like, Hey, we like your stuff. You know, I mean, can't be more grateful for, for that. I mean, you know, we, we get on here every, every Monday, but we really don't have a true <laughs> understanding of, of who's listening or watching or whatever. Um, so it's, it's, it's good to, to know that people out there do listen and do appreciate, you know, what we bring to the table, which, you know, again, this was a grassroots effort. <laughs> we had no idea it was uncharted territory for us. And, you know, to get some feedback, positive feedback about what we're doing is, is, is definitely something that I enjoyed about, um, going up to Saratoga. The track, not much different from when I was there in 2009. Not much. You know, obviously there's some upgrades, some downgrades, but, you know, things change over time. Yeah, well, I mean, what, what's... I'm trying to think. It's, it's hard to, like, <laughs> go back to, like, 2009 and say, all right, I remember we had this, that, and the other thing. Um... Bick's barbecue stand is gone, but uh, what were the biggest changes outside of, of course, the paddock bar and that that whole area? But that's brand new. That's that's here this year. What what other kind of changes, you know, stuck out in your mind? Um, I believe the chalkboard was still there. I think the chalkboard was there till maybe a decade ago and, and and they went to kind of an electronic board. Right. And now that's gone. Yeah. And it's just TVs, which is a little strange. Um, that was a little different. Uh, the one of the things that I had a gripe with actually was the Sam machines that just gave you vouchers. It was really annoying. Yeah, you know, probably a lot, there's probably a lot less mutual clerks now than there was back then. <clears throat> yes, that too. But, I mean, to me, it's just like, well, you know, people are trying to give you money. Why make it harder for them? You know, and I get that somebody has to go in there and physically get the money out of the sand machine. But... doesn't seem that difficult to work to kind of spread it out maybe on a big day but still i mean they should be prepared for that they this is what they do <laughs> or should be what they do that kind of annoyed me but that's kind of minor 
the real backstretch guy he interviewed with both of us. Oh yeah, we talked to him. We talked to to Rozzy. That was cool. Hopefully that'll be out soon. Um, the paddock, or what is it? The post bar they call it now. Yeah, I think that paddock suite. It's a nice little area. I, I kind of dig it. I mean, I know it caught some flack, but um, being there, that, that's kind of where we were hanging out. I mean, it was it was pretty lively over there. Um, the only help it help our guys, uh, our, our Philly guys had a, had a couple tables every day. Yeah, that did help. That definitely helped. Um, you know, the only uh, there was one thing that was kind of weird is that they didn't have anything covering the TVs because it was, you know, the sun was beating down and there was, you know, some angles where you couldn't see the TVs or you couldn't see the picture. You could see the TV, you know where it is, but you couldn't see the picture because of the sunlight and there was nothing, you know, it wasn't like inset where you could, you know, had some a cover on it where it was blocked the shade and everybody could see it. But, you know, it's new. So I would hope that somebody would bring that to their attention. Hopefully I just did. If not, I'm sure somebody else will, if they already have it. Yeah. The sun facing TVs are pretty tough to see. Yeah. And, and, you know, just because of the way it, where it's situated, it ends up being the side where, you know, a lot of people are, you know, underneath the, the, you know, on the first floor, like underneath the overhang, I guess you could call it. It's fine. It's the ones on the outside that you can't see. And they were off from the actual feed too. That was a little annoying, but. Yeah. When the, the sound was a little bit ahead of the video. Right. Not like Calder, but, but. Just the, <laughs> the Calder, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I had uh, the uh, drank the red, the big red spring water, which was gross. Still, not that I expected it to be any different. I uh, retweeted, uh, I quote tweeted a, <laughs> a tweet with a little baby, you know, maybe like a one year old drinking it, and his face was priceless. <laughs> really upset about drinking that water. Like, looked at his mom like, why did you do this to me? It's pretty, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty gross. Yeah. And I managed to grab a picture at the spot where I used to hang out um, when I was little, like, you know, eight, nine years old uh, with my parents and grandparents when we used to come to the track. I thought that was cool. You know, it was, it was good to see that now that my, you know, I hadn't been there since my, my, uh, my grandmother passed. So it was a little bittersweet kind of moment. That was cool to do. Thought about venturing to buy the $23 pastrami sandwich, but didn't. No. I was actually surprised. I, I, I didn't eat junk food. Yeah. You didn't eat that much actually. Kiwis, kiwis are plenty though. Yeah, they get the kiwis out again this week. <laughs> Still the oddest racetrack giveaway I've seen ever. Kiwis. Didn't they? I thought they did that that one time too. They had like oranges or something. I, don't know. I mean, I'm down for a couple free kiwis. 
Oh, you were down. Yeah. Oh, should should we reveal our our, our shenanigans and how we got in? <laughs> no, we better not. <laughs> we'll keep that under wraps. <laughs> After a race, yeah, that story. probably be uh... <laughs> banned for life. I'll probably have Jason Bourne shadowing me uh, on Wednesday, ready to whack me. But uh, yeah, that was uh, we had to be creative, put it that way. Creativity sometimes is the uh, the fun part. But no, it was a great weekend, and the racing was good. The weather was really, really good. I mean, it's been so hot. You you don't get me complaining about it being hot very often, but it was really. I mean, there's just no there's no AC. That's the one thing that I tell people. I say, oh, you're from Florida. Say, yeah, but every place in Florida's got some sort of AC somewhere. The track at Saratoga, the only place that has AC are the places that they don't let us in. So you're dealing with a lot of heat there. But but no, this weekend. Oh man, the weather the weather couldn't have been better. I, I don't I don't think I've ever been to a racetrack where the weather was that good. Yeah, it, it was really nice. I mean, considering what the Pegasus was like and Tampa Bay Derby Day. Oh yeah. <laughs> and this is Florida. And that weather in August was way better, like way better. Way better. Infinitely better. Not a drop of rain all weekend until I got back to Florida. And I literally had to wait almost as much time as my flight to get my check bag that JetBlue made me check. The blue. My only gripe about the travel. Well, it was a good time and... uh... We need you to come back. Yeah, maybe it'll finagle something. We we'll see what's up. Maybe one more trip and uh, yeah, close out the meet. That would be great. Well, we failed once again at uh, shortening the show. So <clears throat> there's a lot to talk about, though, and the and we've gone longer than this. So <laughs> no, no, we have gone longer before. There's no uh. Inane basketball news to talk about this week. No. Well, maybe. <laughs> oh, 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 we forgot. I, I've been I've been trying to compile this today. We have tomorrow we're going to release our first annual ever original Oh, the uh, rankings. Rankings. Division yes. Rankings. We have a stellar stellar lineup of lineup of experts right that's what they are right every person that was selected has made a a serious wager within a short period of time we vetted them yes because (laughs) a lot of times we have polls in racing and a lot of polls are kind of silly like anyways um but we just figured we'd do our own poll. And uh, we got 13, I think. Some of the... Some, some, some of the... <laughs> some of our illustrious uh, Blue Ribbon panel were a little tardy with getting their 
their ballots back in, but um, we're ranking the top seven in, in all the pertinent divisions. And, uh, that'll be out tomorrow. I think Mr. Bick is going to talk about it, maybe fit it in a little 20 seconds. Like uh, like Wednesday, maybe, maybe Wednesday. You're the, you're the bizarro, bizarro world Sid Fernando on that show now. You got, you got a regular spot. I, I did a little, a little see big today. I know. End of the show. And I'm after the guy with the ice cream. We're in nowhere at the same time. Guy gave a secret code for ice, free ice cream. Oh. Which we didn't go to, by the way. No, no, we did not. That means I just have to come back. That's a, that's a good reason to come back. <laughs> so. Yeah, but the problem is, like, Labor Day weekend is going to be probably chilly. <laughs> hoodie weather. We'll bring the hoodies. <sighs> we'll have the going in circle hoodies. Yeah. Yeah, so if you see the rankings tomorrow, you can, you know, say what you want. Comment. make Put your own up there. Give me a good reason. Maybe we'll put you on the panel next next uh, next round. We're gonna do it every month, mid September, mid October, which will be the final one before the Breeders' Cup, and then a post Breeders' Cup ranking, and you know, just something fun to do. And uh, like I said, we we have respect for everyone's uh, uh, industry knowledge and and their handicapping prowess and <laughs> their. Uh, sense of of for lack of a better word what the hell is actually you know going on going on <laughs> so um so that's uh, we're going to we're going to put it out tomorrow and we're not putting each person's votes we're going to give you the final tally it's like the uh the, the USA today coaches poll right in an emergency we could reveal votes but I don't the, the, the individual got... voters are, are allowed to reveal whatever they'd like. They can say how they voted, who they voted for. That, I don't have any problem with that at all. Matter of fact, I, I w- wish they would. I just didn't want to put people... Some of the people are industry people, and I don't want conflicts. I don't want... Um, I mean, believe me, this business is so petty in some ways that somebody might be offended that the person that they do some sort of business with rank their horse lower on their stupid little going in circles list than, than uh, somebody else's horse. Believe me, that happened. So I, I said, I don't want that to happen. I don't want the people to get... Uh, I don't want anyone to take abuse for doing this because it's supposed to be fun. But we're going to just release the, the final tallies and um, you know, rank the top seven and, and each of uh, older male, older filly, sprinter, turf, blah, 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 blah. But uh, yeah, we'll put that out tomorrow and uh, Talk about it next week. All right. Sounds like a plan. All right, sir. Well, it's good to talk to you. And uh, everyone, if you made it this far, you're a trooper. If you see me at the races and it's a weekend, I'll give you a free kiwi. (laughs) Give you a case of kiwi. (laughs) Right? It's not kiwis, right? It's a kiwi like. Kiwi, kiwi, you know, like deer, deer, multiple, yeah, multiple kiwis. Is it kiwis or a kiwi? I don't know if that's Dexter Dunn. He's an actual kiwi. Mouses, house, houses, mouse. <laughs>
mouses, right? <laughs> Mice. <laughs> of of mouses and men. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, sounds good. Thank you as as always for uh, for listening, everyone out there, and uh, um, thank you, Barry, of course, for for giving us your time. And uh, we had a great time this weekend. And let's do it. Let's do it again. Do it again. All right. Thanks, everybody. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Going in Circles Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon. I'm the host of the Going in Circles Podcast Network. My man Barry Spears has returned to Florida after his weekend in Saratoga. We're going to talk about that, that weekend visit, and we had a great time. Saw a lot of people. Really, shout out to all the people that came up and introduced themselves. That's uh, that's really a fun part of, of doing this, is, is meeting so many people from so many different places and uh, feeling the love you got f- for horse racing. It's something that... Uh, we all have a, a common bond, uh, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the races themselves and uh, some secret food spots that I introduced Barry to. Um, I'm probably going to go on a rant because some of the stuff coming out of the industry conferences is just just mind-boggling to me. Um, stuff that we actually talked about like 10 years ago that everyone's finally figuring out, but uh that's that's a ways away so uh appreciate you guys listening and we'll be back here uh in about a minute and 25 seconds with the sniper Pleasant Acre Farms is a full service breeding operation located in Morriston Florida just outside of Ocala if you want to get involved in the breeding business in the Sunshine State or you're already involved Pleasant Acre Farms is really the only place you need to know. Joe and Helen Barbazon, who are just great people, do a fantastic job taking care of your mare. Uh, They have a solid roster of 13 stallions with a really diverse group of pedigrees. Your mare will find a match at Pleasant Acre Farms. Currently, the star of Pleasant Acre Farms stallion roster is Neolithic, who is by far a runaway winner of the freshman stallion of the year here in the state of Florida. His son, Make It Big, just made it three for three, winning the $400,000 Springboard Mile at Remington Park, earning 10 points towards the Kentucky Derby in the process. Pleasant Acre Farms is your one-stop shop for breeding in the state of Florida. Check them out at www.pleasantacrestallions.com or on Twitter at P-A-S Stallions. You can also give them a call at 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Stallions. Check them out. Hey guys, I wanted to talk to you quickly about some of the changes coming to the Going in Circles Digest, which is our sort of weekly newsletter that we put out that covers a, a wide variety of topics. Uh, just lately, we've added some guest columnists. Sid Fernando wrote a great piece for us a couple weeks back. And Julian Brown has really helped us out with some uh, excellent handicapping uh, articles. And we're going to expand on the handicapping, especially uh, you know with Julian's writing, who, who used 
Julian used to write for American Turf Monthly. Um, but it's something that uh, we we think people seem to be interested in. And certainly any timely topic is, is something that's going to be covered. And uh, we're going to do a lot of uh, our weekly previews, especially for the big days and, and the Triple Crown races. Uh, we also want to put it out there that anyone that has something to say, you can be a guest writer. Just contact me. There's a, vo- a variety of ways going in circles podcast at gmail.com is probably the easiest. And we'll uh, we'll put you out there. And we're not exactly uh, at the distribution point of the New York Times or anything, but we do get a lot of click-ons. And if you have something to say, well, we'll help you say it. All right, guys, if you have any suggestions, anything you want to hear about, anything you want to uh, read about, hit me up, goingincirclespodcast.gmail.com, and uh, check it out, goingincirclesdigest.substack.com. Free subscription. Thanks, guys.